This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast revisiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Super Train, Episode 9. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast barely surviving this train wreck. I'm Luke. Here's my co-host, Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you what's real. I thrive on yummies. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that line? It was I the don't. Most, it I was, do not. I do not remember that line. There's, uh, the, the character we're going to meet later in the episode, uh, it's a fiance. It's a late, uh, there's a couple that are engaged, and at one point she's eating are a whole bunch. Are they newlyweds? I think there might be newlyweds. That's what it is. And uh, and she just keeps eating. I think it's like a fudge sundae or something. And he's like, he's just really wants her to get her back to the room. And she's like, you know, I just thrive on yummies. And I thought, I've never heard that before in a TV show. <laughs> I'm convinced, by the way, that this particular couple, these characters, who, who seem kind of ancillary and unimportant, are ac- actually hold the most intrigue. The, the, the show <laughs> is so? actually about, it's about these two people. There's something going on. I, <laughs> I like, think I think you're giving too deep. much to Super Train. <laughs> that voice, that voice you're hearing, listener, is our guest this week. It's Paul from the Measure of the episode, Measure of an Episode podcast. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and frankly, I'm super excited to talk about Super Train. I, so <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how much how much of this you guys have actually watched. If you watched, I watched the pilot and I watched the ninth episode. We have we have uh, watched uh, I believe episodes one through five and then episode nine. Okay, <laughs> because it's very funny, Paul. Because I feel like the, of the shows we've watched, this is there's been a few, but this is definitely one of them where people are so excited we're watching Super Train, mm-hmm. and I think Jordan and I are like, why are we watching Super Train? Yeah, I've had some people text me, be like, I'm so excited you're watching Super Train, and and my response always, have you watched Super Train? I, I I don't know. I don't. Is it the name Super Train? Is it the concept Super Train? Because when you watch Super Train, you think, like, what has happened to my life? Where is it gone? <laughs> I feel this is the same thing as people who like the old cartoon He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to get me into a lot of trouble, but <laughs> I feel like people have this fond place in their heart for that cartoon, especially if you grew up in the 80s. And I think the people who wear the t-shirts and have all of the paraf- paraphernalia, He-Man paraphernalia, haven't seen He-Man in a really long time. Mm. You're, you're probably right. And the same thing with this. If you have a special place in your heart for, for Super Train, I don't know if you've seen it. Or you haven't seen it. Maybe you saw it in the, in the late 70s. When did this come out? Late 80s? No. Yeah, this is late uh, 70s. 70, 78 maybe? Yeah, something like that. Late 70s. Okay. I forget okay. already. All, all of the disco dancing should at least somewhat indicate the time period. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, you mean the full number we got to watch of people <laughs> dancing in every, 
every episode there's at least one to two full dance numbers as if as if there's not enough time to waste there's like another one another number well this leads to a good question then paul had you heard about super train before we made you watch this no okay so i actually thought this was going to be something else because there is another show or movie like this but it's about a bus and And you, so you know how in the can, 70, can I guess? Is it called yeah. Superbus? <laughs> I hope so. I super hope so. But it was the same thing where it was this super futuristic bus that seemingly defied all physics and logic when you walked into it. Like it seemed like it was five times as big as it actually was. Same thing in <laughs> Super Train where they have these strange like dance clubs. We're like, where where are they on the train still? Like, what, where is this? How do they fit this into the train? And uh, so I thought it was that. And I was like, oh, fun. This will be kind of interesting to rewatch this because I remember it being a little bit better than this. But but no, I was uh, brand new to Super Train. And actually, I have to say, the pilot was entirely different from not that I want to talk about the pilot because I'm sure you guys have, have already uh, brushed over that quite a bit. But entirely different from this particular episode. Well, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to reveal something to you right now. We had a guest on last week who explained it to us and you are actually if you watch the pilot and this episode they do feel very different because literally between episode i believe four and five they like completely retooled the show this is an all-new cast and they went for a much different tone so we actually watched that tone shift last week happen and now we're watching basically this is the new super train so it's changed significantly <laughs> because this has been a massive retool yeah, of super new train. new opening new characters new tone, laugh track, same basic concept, but it's like two different people who have taken the same concept and made two different shows with it. So the only thing that's really the same is it's a super train. Oh, and by the way, just on a side note, I think what you thought you were going to watch was a 1976 American disaster comedy film called The Big Bus, which was a <laughs> yes. which is a spoof of the disaster movie. It follows the maiden train trip of an enormous nuclear powered bus named Cyclops. That's it. Yeah, you found it. Mm-hmm. I can't that believe is the it. Same yeah. plot to the show. <laughs> I, that's what I thought we were going to be watching, but I guess not. And and so uh, that sounds better than this. Yeah. <laughs> is it a movie or is it a show? It's a movie. It's a movie. Okay. Yeah, I have to say. So I. Uh, when I went from episode one to episode nine, because episode one felt very like they were trying to do a version of what was very popular at the time, which was the, you know, the, the disaster movies of the 70s, Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure. It felt like that kind of thing where they were setting up this great thing. They all, you know, it's a, it's a huge boat or it's a huge giant building or a huge train, that kind of like that. And it kind of felt the plot line felt like it had that kind of gravitas to it. And then I switched to this one and it, almost pivoted to farcical because like it's almost like there are these weird characters who just want to have sex <laughs> and uh and she and they have the the kind of insufferable activist writer person and all these so it, like it didn't have it's almost has better characters in the ninth one or sorry in the ninth episode but in the first in the pilot it was more about i thought it was supposed to be more about the train but it, like as it, the more i watched it the train has very little to do with the plots in yeah. both. Like I was I was hoping for a lot of kind of 1970s, this is what the future is going to be, is trains, <laughs> is futuristic trains. And it just, it totally didn't matter if the train w- was there. Could, it, it could have been set anywhere. 
Yeah, like in a building or yeah, in a boat it's, <laughs> or something. It's something we've <laughs> we've noticed and noted from the beginning, and it's a weird thing that that this show has done is that they have this cool setting, the, this futuristic, spacious train where anything is possible, and then they don't want to use the train in any other way other than it's just a setting and it just yeah and it's a and it's a bummer and and this episode that we're going to talk about episode nine it's just i mean they almost use the train more in this episode than in previous episodes and it's you know still it's a just bummer. a train i mean regardless yeah. if it's a super train it's just a regular train that has i mean it doesn't even kind of defy the physics that the that the pilot did where it's they don't have i guess a little bit with the dance club but it it, it was kind of didn't matter if it, they were mostly the takes train. place in a dining car <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, I was hoping for like Inspector Gadget level stuff where, you know, there were robots and things like yeah. that. As long- Paul, we've asked this question repeatedly. We're like, is this science fiction? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling right. you, if at the end of this episode, the, the character, what was his name? Who's this Woody Billy? Allen stand in? Billy? Yeah, Billy. Billy if, yeah. if he just ripped off his face and went, I'm a robot, and they just ended, it would have made this a better episode. I'd be like, what? What just happened? Oh, He's God. a robot the yeah. whole time? It would have it would have opened so many doors. <laughs> well, before we get into it, Jordan, I think you have a game you want to play with us. Oh, I do. It's a really quick game, and it's something we've done before, um, which is a build an episode. And I like doing it for shows like this, which don't make any sense. And it just seems like they just threw random things together to make a plot, and they said that's a TV episode. So I thought we could do something similar and uh, see how accurate an episode we can make a super train. <laughs> So what it is, is there's four categories and two guest stars. I decided the episode we're going to make is going to have two guest stars. So I'm going to give you a couple people. I'll need you guys to give me some options as well to fill this out. And then we'll okay. quickly make an episode. So just so you know, there's going to be a male guest star, a female guest star. And remember, it's late 70s. There's right. going to be a random character that is going to connect in this. There's going to be a scenario and the episode must feature something. And there's a random object. So I'll go through them all. So the male guest star, I have three. And I'd like each of you to give me one. The ones I have are Wayne Rogers from MASH, uh, Michael Landon, Little House on the Prairie, and Tony Danza, who was in Taxi at the time. If you can each give me a male lead star you'd like to see in the show. Well, I'm going to say we should try for Christopher Reeves. Oh, that's a good catch. That's a good get. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, he would have already done, he might be in the middle of filming, but of filming the first Superman, but I feel like if we can catch him early. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you want to catch him before the horrible horse accident either way, right? (laughs) Too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Luke? Um, I will give Charlton Heston, I think. Let's get Charlton Heston on this track. Aiming high. You guys are aiming very high for Super Train, but I'll allow it. This is a big sweeps week. Okay. (laughs) It's true. It's a Uh, All right. So female guest star, I have uh, Mary Lou Henner, Cheryl Ladd, and Farrah Fawcett. I was hitting high myself. So if you could think of two 70s, uh, 70s leading ladies. I've got one. Yeah. You've got to have Betty White drop by. Oh, good call. Paul? Gosh, I'm totally blanking on who could... Oh, Jane Fonda. She'd be perfect oh, for this. That is really absolutely. good guess. Okay. So the next category is going to be a random character that is going to somehow connect to this plot. The three I picked is a clown, the fattest man in the world, and a disco <laughs> dancer because it's this show. So if you guys can just give right. me a, a random character. I'm going to go with an astronaut. Perfect. That's good. Paul? Man, astronaut's good. <laughs> That's good. 
I feel like we should do like a a painter. Sure. Oh, like something like an artist, some kind of artist. Maybe maybe a little bit more pretentious, like a, a singer, like an opera singer. Oh, like that. Opera singer is perfect for this show. Yeah. Okay, opera yeah, singer yeah. is. All right. So the scenario we're going to have is I have Olympic team tryouts, a dog breeding convention. Or a countrywide blackout, which, by the way, I'm surprised we haven't done in nine episodes of the show. There hasn't been a blackout for power issues on the train. So if you want to give me uh, a scenario each. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have mine that I've been saying since day one is there should be a nuclear meltdown on Super Train. <laughs> okay, that is good. Paul? Let's see. I was thinking pandemic of some kind, like some sort of... <laughs> but is that... Maybe that's too on the nose for right now? No, no, it's perfect. Okay. Well, they had no idea what to expect. Pandemic on the super train. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's its own ecosystem. And so, doctor needs something to do. Absolutely. All right. Two more categories, and then we'll finish this up. So, uh, this episode must feature uh, I have a case of mistaken identity, a pie eating contest, or x ray vision. Do you guys have anything? (laughs) Kidnapping. It has to have a kidnapping. (laughs) Yeah. That's in with this show. I feel like juggling. Juggling, oh, jug- not enough juggling. Well, yeah. I hope that clown makes it in because otherwise it's going to be a weird. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, and finally, there's going to be a random object in this show. So I have a pair of slippers, a Christmas tree, and a box full of marbles. Random item, eh? I'm going to say the world's first microwave oven. Wow. I don't so know. Giant, that, it, are there microwave ovens in the 70s? <laughs> I think microwaves were early 80s, so I think you're right about there. I think it should be the cross of Coronado from Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I, or, no, that's Last Crusade. Last yeah, Crusade. Last Crusade. That's that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so I just need a quickly a number between I don't know, let's say like one and seven. Paul, this is for you. Let's do seven. All right, I think seven. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do this real quick. So just talk. Lucky am- number seven. Talk amongst yourself for a moment as I just figure out okay. this because we got to do it accurately, you know. Well, thank you very much for uh, uh, spending some time there just having chatting while I'm going through it. So I have what our episode looks like, and uh, we'll see how accurate this is to an episode of Super Train. So uh, the two stars of our uh, special episode are going to be Michael Landon and Betty White. Right. Uh, this this okay. uh, episode will have a random character of a an opera singer. The scenario for nice. the episode will be Olympic team tryouts. For some reason, <laughs> this episode must feature juggling. And the random object, unfortunately, is the, uh, and sorry if I pronounce this wrong, uh, Paul, the Cross of Coronado? That's correct. That's correct. Oh, this is very exciting. Yes, this is going to be great. So what this do we think? What do we think this episode looks like? Well, it's very clear that the Olympic tryouts, the Olympic sport or the Olympic event is juggling. Mm. Mm, you're right. It's the first year for juggling at the Olympics. Right. Well, they're trying it out. Michael Landon's yeah. their coach. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think Betty White and Michael Landon might be of a similar age at this point. Yeah, you're I, probably right. They're probably similar age. So they could be sort of a a will they won't they coaching like what Betty White is the coach of the one team and Landon is the coach of another team? Yes. They're both in competition to be the America's like representation of the Olympics, right. who's going to win? Very good. And it, um, maybe it turns out that Betty White, her character, she finds out that one of her teammates is fraternizing with the other guy's teammates. And that just can't fit, right? We, we can't have that because that would disqualify them for some for some reason. For so some reason. cover-up. 
so Betty White decides to use the uh, cross of Coronado to uh, curse the other team. This somehow they, she tries to put a curse on Michael Landon. <laughs> Is that what that thing does? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's never clear what it what it does. It it's hard to it's hard to get. I think that's its secret power. But uh, well, or maybe maybe Michael Langdon has stolen the cross of Coronado. Oh, by the way, and I forgot to mention. I yeah. think I think I forgot to mention. There's also an opera singer in this. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been trying to think of how to add the opera singer. <laughs> well, it could be that they that this particular stint or leg of of Super Train, where it's New York to L.A. That's the whole conceit. Mm-hmm. Is that Via they've New managed Mexico. to book? They've managed to book as the the entertainment this opera singer. Mm. Yes, that that makes that, sense. And, but everybody's complaining, and they say, "Where's the disco?" I came here for disco. <laughs> I like. I was told there was disco on this train, yeah. and so there, the opera singer is forced to sing disco. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's as good as any episode of Super Train. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great, and and like, there's just a side plot where Michael Landon has the cross that he's stolen, but no one minds or cares. <laughs> uh, and just as a fun side note, uh, Michael Landon was born in 1936, and Betty White was born in 1922. So, oh, so not. even then she was 14 years older than him. Wow. Is that right? Is that she's the math gonna right? Be, yeah. She's going to be 100 years old. Yeah, that's right. She is. January 17th. By the time this airs, she'll be, unless, unless I don't know, she got hit by a bus or something, she'll be 100. <laughs> I mean, I would, say that's a, I would say that's as coherent as an episode of Super Trade, what we just described. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before we get into this week's episode, I also had a little thing, but because Jordan and I don't talk to each other ever... Uh, he really stepped on my toes, um, so I'm going to switch up my thing slightly. <laughs> I was just going to talk about, we, since we took the escape pod, we missed three episodes of Super Train. And I was going to make us guess what those three episodes were about, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to tell you what the three episodes of Super Train we missed were. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so we missed an episode called A Very Formal Heist, uh, Notable Guest Stars, Zaza Gabor, and Abe Vigoda. Yeah, it's Zsa, Zsa but yes. Sure. Whatever. And Abe Bogato. I've heard it both ways. I mean, that's got to be, I'll just jump in. You said it's a very formal? Heist, yes. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, I think the formality is going to be they wear tuxedos or something. I think it's a bunch of guys who are going to rob something, maybe the Cross of Coronado, um, and uh, and they, oh, they all wear suits. <laughs> maybe maybe they're all opera singers or something. Jordan, you're so close, except you had too many clothes on them. Uh, Zaza Gabor's necklace gets stolen at her charity bikini contest. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't watch that. I, I honestly, I was like, that's a great, I can't believe we didn't see that. Uh, the next episode we didn't watch was uh, Pirouette. Uh, most notable guest stars, Tony Danza and oh. Jamie Farr. Oh my gosh. Another Jamie. MASH one I missed. That's That would be winning the third person for MASH on this show. So my Wayne Rogers pick was right on. I mean, you even said D- Tony Danza was going to be in that episode and you were dead on. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I should be writing for Super Train. Do you, think the, do you think the writer's room still open? <laughs> this, this one was about a disgruntled former servant trying to eliminate the heir to a uh, uh, some sort of inheritance. I've written down what it is, but I can't read it now, so who cares? It's not as good as the bikini one. And then the final episode we didn't watch, The Green Girl, which uh, guest starred Roddy McDowell. Oh my gosh, these are way better. Yeah. And the Super Train All- hosts an international poker tournament. <laughs> Do you think they still oh. forced him to put on that uh, that ape costume? Because that's yeah, all I think he... he was in his Planet of the Apes character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those kind of all sound better than the one we watched in episode nine. 
I'm going to do a bit of a spoiler here. This might be the worst episode of Super Train I've seen. This episode we're going to talk about. It felt like it. It felt like a season seven type of episode <laughs> where they're just totally out of ideas. And like, this is all we got. It's a I clip mean, show had... without the clips. It's that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had total FOMO for those three episodes. I'm sure they're all awful, but I would have loved to watch A Pagoda. Instead, I had to watch this episode. Um, so, you guys, here is the IMDb summary for episode nine. Where have you been, Billy Boy? Uh, as usual, no summary available. <laughs> um, so it opens. There's a brand new set of opening credits. The show's been completely retooled. Yeah, it's all like Technicolor now. Yeah, it's it's very weird. It's a very like uh, like yeah psychedelic kind of opening now. Oh, so that wasn't in the f- in five either. A completely so different new. opening credits now. Okay. Yeah. Because you know what? When a show's not working at all, if you're a viewer, you're thinking, you know what would just make this better? I'll tune in. D- different opening credits. Better credits, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm always thinking that. And this this finale of Super Train finds that the Super Train has refitted one of its compartments into a prison cell complete with steel bars, <laughs> which is just like, I guess you could, on the Super Train, you'll just now become a mobile prison. That's how they've expanded. They're like not making enough money. So it's now, you're, we're also a mobile prison. It's the privatization of the uh, the justice system is the problem. Is the, It's the comment they're making, you know? Uh, and a police officer is transporting uh, accused cop killer Billy to trial. Um, Billy, of course, I think as we've hinted at, is a just a knockoff Woody Allen the entire episode. Yeah, it definitely feels like, it feels like he was intentionally doing it. That oh, way. I think he oh, was 100. Oh, yeah. I feel like this was actually written for Woody Allen, and he was like, "No way am I doing this. I'm huge at this point in his career." But I get what he's doing, and I, I'm, I'm trying to wonder if at that time it would have been funny, but I found it so incredibly grating and annoying to watch him in every scene. Because that was, that was his shtick every every scene. There was no, there was no character. It's kind of the way all the characters were. They all had their thing that you're supposed to. They They're were all really to. one note, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, we get, we, the, the new and the old staff of Super Train, there's a bit of a mix on here, are, are making accommodations to drop Billy and his uh, escorted police officer off in New Mexico in secret without anyone knowing so that they can like, he can go to trial basically, which I guess now the Super Train can go through New Mexico as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they um, start and- off, they start off the episode with, they introduce Billy as being kind of ominous. They don't, they don't play him as being. They tease him as maybe being a killer the whole time, and I thought that right. was going to be the turn that he is actually like a monster. I, I thought for great. sure that was coming. That would have been great. It would have been so much better than the way it ended. And if you if you notice, like the beginning, the the guy who is transporting him, his his escort, when so, even when somebody knocks on the outer door, he grabs for his gun and sort of hides behind the jam of the door to see, like, who is it. You know, that kind of thing. Well, he and, just he, he's heard about all the kidnappings that have happened on Super Train. <laughs> <laughs> all the antics and hijinks that happen on Super Train. He's like, if there's one thing I know about Super Train or two things is there's going to be kidnappings and there's going to be dancing. So I, ca- I, I, I can't condone either. <laughs> well, I just want to quickly say, so we've just said we've said it's been retooled, but some of the old crew have survived the retooling. So mm-hmm. Harry, the conductor, is still there. He's the older gentleman who's sort of in charge of things. Yeah. Boone, the baggage handler, seems to have been promoted to some sort of uh, client relationship role, which is much better for him. Let's let's be honest. Boone's great. Yeah. I think they didn't know what to do with him. So th- th- I'll give that to Super Train. They they improved Boone. They certainly kept the best one of the best characters. And then Dr. Lewis, who I think has been there since the pilot, but has never been utilized ever, has suddenly become a, like a relatively used character. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Like, I think I, I don't think we saw him outside of the pilot in any of those other four episodes. No, I think he might. He's just in the background. I think they mentioned him that there's a, a clinic on the on the train because yeah. why but not? now he's getting used all over the place in this mm-hmm. last episode. And then there's two new crew. It's uh, Randall from Operations, who I guess is uh, just a handsome leading man to replace our uh, slubby friend, uh, Dave Newell. What was his name? Noonan. Noonan, Dave Noonan. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a new public relations person named Penny, who uh, I guess she's just in charge of running the disco from what I can tell. Now, is it, it we, we get introduced them in the beginning of this episode by like a sort of playful thing between the two of them. And he wants to push her in a pool. Then she pushes him in the pool. And then we get our first laugh track. That's the two of them, right? Yeah, I believe so. Did anyone else by laugh? The way, this or whole, just the audience? The, the, the first thing that happens, the, the thing that doesn't have a laugh track that totally should is the epic fail of a dive <laughs> that they just open up with from that. There's like a, a, a girl or a lady who just falls flat faced into the pool. And I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a joke or if she just doesn't know how to dive. It was really weird. It totally set the tone for the whole show. For <laughs> it was a metaphor for Super Trek. She got the role and they were like, you can dive, right? She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can dive. Don't worry. Right. And that's, that's what they got. <laughs> right. Um and then I believe, and I don't know if this is a regular character on the Super Train or just for this episode, but there's also a waiter who will get a lot of screen time this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was kind of disappointed. I was disappointed that the William Hurt-esque person from the pilot wasn't there. The guy who had like the dual monocle thing where it was like they were glasses that don't rest on your ears. They It's just like a little <laughs> chain that comes down. Like, I love that guy. We learned in the pilot that he didn't have much, uh, much longer to live. So I'm assuming he's dead by episode nine. Oh, good, po- good point. <laughs> um, at any rate, the plot of this is that uh, the cop and Billy, his prisoner, are both hungry. Um, and they would really <laughs> like to eat. That is the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they both they also both don't want sandwiches brought like both the cop and the prisoner are like. I don't want some some like sloppy sandwich brought down to our compartment. Hey, uh, Randall. Man in charge of operations, let us go to the dining car to eat. And Randall's like, well, aren't you under a... Like, wouldn't that be a huge breach of protocol? And the cop's like, nah, I got it. It's kind of based on... Not that they don't want sandwiches in that moment, but that they don't like sandwiches, which is... Yeah. It's, it's such a weird thing to not like. I, I don't like sandwiches. They Who both like sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I also like, though, that he's like, I'll take him to the I'll handcuff myself to him, as we've seen in, you know, TV and film over the cop. And no one will notice. I'm like, I'd notice immediately if someone had a, a handcuff on them while they're eating. Also, if you only order a plate full of corn on the cob, like no one has ever done ever. <laughs> well, they make such a show of it. Right. Like, it's it's not like they're trying to hide it at all. No one ever has been at a restaurant. And they're like, what would you have? I'm like, you know, that side of corn on the cob? I'm like, all right, can you just quadruple that order and just give me four corn on the cob? That's what I'll be eating. Thank you. Um, Uncooked. Uncooked corn on the cob. Uncooked. <laughs> That's the key. Also in this dining car are the rest of our guest characters. Is There's uh, Miss Rig, played by Rue McCallahan from the Golden mm-hmm. Girls. Blanche, of course. She's a writer for a magazine called Enlightened Woman, who's writing a piece on the oppression of minorities. <laughs> Um, and to write this piece, she decides to uh, ask our, our only black character, Boone, a question uh, via insults about his social posture, quote unquote, and how he feels, whether he feels angry or humiliated by by having a job that requires him to bow and scrape to strangers. Um, and Boone uh, is very polite when he answers, but uh, it's uh, does not enjoy this question line of questioning. 
he's very he's very he's he's nervous he's not even he's like not just kind of put out he's very like almost as like this happens once a, a leg on this on the super train like he's always got these these riders coming through yeah someone's asked him something very like insensitive and racist and he has to be nice to them because that's his job right he gets out of it okay though i think he, he does, i think he, he handled himself well and can i make a real uh one quick little note we're gonna find out like this dining car is gonna be the main setting for this episode and there was a scene just previous to this where it's a dance scene, of course, there's a disco dancing scene, and it goes on uh, for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. And then uh, at the very end, the, the couple that win, win a free dinner on Super Train. And my thought was, hold on, you've got a ticket on Super Train and you have to still pay for meals on top of it? That is strange. Right? Like it should be included in the ticket. So these people have paid for what I'm assuming is an exorbitant fee to be on the super train and they have to also pay for dinner. They have to also pay for all the drinks and everything. I, shouldn't that all be included? Yeah. And the horny couple, they uh, they ask for a check. So it's not it's not just I think everybody has to pay. And that's why I was so confused by I thought the horny newlyweds won the dance contest. I thought that's why they were there. But uh, but they do ask for a check. <laughs> Well, all of the men look exactly the same yeah. in this episode for some reason. Indistinguishable. I mean, yeah. we'll get back to the characters in a second. Since, Jordan, you brought up that uh, the, the dance sequence in the discos you always have to have, I was more blown away by after they win that, they're like, time for a feature entertainment. A <laughs> roller skating <laughs> yes, troupe right. from Las Vegas is here to perform for us, and then we don't get to see them perform. Yeah. Well, we see them come out. They all sort of roller skate out, and you're like, oh, this is going to be something. And then like, and back to dinner. Can you imagine how hard it would be to to roller skate on a moving train? It'd be impossible. Well, they have a pool, which seems equally as tenuous, right? Like it doesn't make any sense that you know something that it's that crazy. Has to stop suddenly. Do you think the people who got the gig, the roller skating group, they're like they're like, hey, we got a gig. They're like, where? They're like on a train. They're like, oh, this is yeah. this mm-hmm. is gonna be tough. I think that I think this is a real group that existed at the time who was like getting a cameo on Super Train. Right, you're probably right. Um, I was going to go back. We're going to go back to these characters that we're going to be dealing with here, these sort of side characters in the in the dining car. I just wanted to go back to Mrs. Rigg for a quick second, the, uh, the, the writer for Enlightened Women, just in that, like, her character is very much something we have seen in anything from this sort of, like, 60s, 70s, 80s era, is that she's a real straw man character that just, like, makes fun of the concept of feminism and, like, activism. Like, her whole point of being there is just, like, aren't feminists and activists stupid? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's what yeah, it, it is? Do you think what it is? I thought she was just really a vehicle to, in some ways, propel things more than the Billy character because he's so uh, nebbish I mean, and, and that's nervous. That's what her function is. But like her whole character set up as like she's an activist, she's a feminist, and everything she does is annoying. Is like dumb and stupid to the audience. Right. It does feel that way. It does feel like they made her inhabit all of those features of those insufferable people that no, insufferable people in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that they don't that look how silly this is. If we if we amp this up to you know a hundred percent, this is this is what how we see you as yeah, these yeah. types of things. Hey, ladies at home, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> do I have to say this in in terms of something effective, which is this show does not do well. She's supposed to be annoying, and she's really annoying. So I mean, yeah. give them that. I mean, yeah, they did yeah, what they wanted. Works. 
Uh, of course, there's the newlywed couple we've already discussed who uh, is there eating many desserts and the husband, the entire episode, the husband is just desperately trying to have sex with his wife. That's the, that's the whole gag. Yeah. And is, you know, for the whole episode, if the whole episode and she's stalling, is she purposely stalling or is he just like he's just learning that she loves the yummies or whatever she says? I don't think she's purposely stalling. I think it's just like the gag is, is just like he can't wait to do it. And she's just having a nice time and doesn't notice. I think that's the I gag. think she's having a little fun. You have a little bit of fun. You think she, of, she's poking him a little bit? A little bit. I also think, so I said this earlier, there's something going on with this couple because, okay, so they're newly wed, right? Yes. And so probably have seen each other before. I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe <laughs> you would think. But, but she says something along the lines of, when you get to know me, you'll know that I like sweets. And she goes, when you really get to know me. I was like, so what does that mean? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, so these, these are actually the spies. They're from (laughs) some other country, Mm. uh, potentially Canada. We're not, we're not sure. Uh, But a lot, a lot of spies come from Canada. That's a fact. That's just a fact. Yeah. Well, I know you guys can't talk about it, but I, I, we know. We know, yeah. everybody down here. It's knows. a lot of uh, uh, spies that have a lot of ennui if they're from Canada. <laughs> yeah. So it just struck me as like, oh, that's a little bit of intrigue. How, like, how do they not know each other? Did they, did they elope? Because it's never actually explicitly said that they eloped. I, I would understand if they had said that, but they didn't say that. And so they're clearly, they, they have a job to do. They just didn't, didn't get to it because they sealed the door off. So what you're saying is there's a much more interesting episode in the background that we're not seeing because we're too busy spending time with old uh, Woody Allen impersonator. Correct. Yeah, yeah Paul's written the entire episode. He's going to publish it afterward. <laughs> I've got it all here. It's all up in here, ready to go. That's a good point, though. I did notice that, too, where she kept like saying, like, when you get to know me, I'm like, you, I mean, it's it's just yeah. like I, I I get that people got married younger, but like come I think on, what the gag is, and it maybe doesn't work. I think the gag, not to uh, poo poo on your uh, spy, uh, your Canadian spy idea, but um, right. I think the gag they're going for is simply that he, they've got married, and now that they're married, she's revealing her uh, more of herself or her true self to him. Now that it's safe to do so, and I think there's a joke in there that perhaps it's just a classic wife move, man. I just think it's something that maybe hasn't aged, not even it's aged badly, but it just, we just don't get it because it's so, the joke is so old at this point. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it just, it just felt very, and they were so one note anyway. Like mm-hmm. he was just, all he wanted to do, he was hoping that on this bus that they were going to be kidnapped to later in the episode, that it has its own private compartment so they can have sex finally. I know. Apparently, everything is just like, will there be a room I can have sex in when we get there? Yeah bathrooms and, and private rooms on this bus that they're going to be kidnapped on. All right. Uh, the other characters in the dining car are a pregnant woman who's traveling uh, home to her family. There is an old man who we get no indication or information about, but ends up becoming a father figure to Billy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and like, these are the people who happen to be dining at, at night in the car. So the cop and Billy come up They're there. They do a little, a little dinnertime comedy routine. As you've mentioned, they're handcuffed together. Billy's trying to eat his corn on the cob, but it's so hard to eat when you're handcuffed to another human being. So they do a, a little bit of a comedy routine about like trying to eat with handcuffs on before he finally is like, can we just take off these handcuffs and I can eat like a human being? And this cop just does not care. He's like, ah, sure, why not? I'll, we'll take off your handcuffs and we'll both eat in peace, I guess, on the, on the tray. <laughs> but to your point, Paul, earlier, they did set up a more interesting sort of resolution to this, which is you find out that maybe this whole personality is just an act and he actually is quite dangerous and he's doing all these things to get out of the room, get out of the handcuffs, get out of these things. And 
you know, not that we haven't seen it before, but it is a more interesting end to an episode than what we find is. And this is, you know, not a spoiler, this episode's 50 years old, but, or 40 years old. Uh, it's just like, that, that is just him. He's just kind of a silly guy who accidentally flubs his way into situations. And it's just, there's, it's just one note that they repeat over and over. So it doesn't, it doesn't get any more interesting than it is in the scene one. And it felt so one note that I thought that it was, it could inevitably, only inevitably go that he was actually the killer and he actually was as bad as they were saying he was because I thought, okay, there's going to be a a pivot at some point Mm. where he shoots somebody or we see that he has whatever the the MacGuffin in his back pocket that that he wasn't supposed to have, that kind of thing. And it never does. I kept thinking that too, Paul. And then somewhere early on, I was like, no, wait, I'm watching Super Train. There is no way. <laughs> They're just going to give me exactly what I see. And sadly, 100% what they did. Yeah. I mean, as they're sort of having this dinner, what basically happens is how the sort of plot does kick off is Miss Rig notices Billy eating dinner. She recognizes from the, him from the paper. He is the, uh, I believe what it is, is he is the protester who was arrested at the uranium mine protest who then went to prison and a fight broke out of prison and he is accused of killing the sheriff during the riot because he ran away during the riot and he, of course, claims his innocence in this whole matter. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Rigg, she's a, a Miss Rigg, she's, she's a big proponent of this man because he she sees him as a great activist trying to stand up to nuclear power, I guess, or uranium mining or whatever. And she really gets into it with the cop. She's just like kind of like giving it to the cop like he's the bad guy. And the cop stands up to kind of tell her to go back to her seat. And as he does, he starts to choke on his food, which everybody don't eat and talk. It's not a good idea. Don't eat in police. I think that's Don't eat in police is rule number one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he starts to choke. So Billy gets up to give the cop the Heimlich. And as he's giving the cop the Heimlich, he knocks the cop's gun out of his waist belt. And the cop kind of collapses because I guess he, he doesn't die of choking, but he chokes so hard <laughs> I guess he passed out. Right. He's in a coma of some kind. Yeah. Some kind. And Billy absentmindedly kind of just picks up the gun and starts waving it around. And it looks like it looks like Billy's taking everyone in the dining cart hostage or something. And really, he's not doing anything. It's Mrs. Rig or Miss Rig who sort of like pulls the strings. But the thing is, you have to kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit of for all a this to bit? work. I, okay, uh, quite a bit, but it just it doesn't it doesn't even work in sort of the broad comedy that they're that they're playing in. This like he has a gun in his hand, he doesn't know he's waving it. It's like okay, and everyone can see because it's done publicly and in front of everyone that she is the Rue McClanahan uh, character is the one pushing these things. So, but no one seems to stop and point that out. Like it just it doesn't work at all. Yeah, it's it's so unbelievable that it it just takes you out of the whenever you start questioning. Like the idea that he would pick up the gun in the first place, that he would be that silly yeah. and that stupid and then yeah. and then start pointing it. And then when people asked him, what are you doing with the gun? He said, I don't know. What am I doing with the gun? Yeah. And then Rue McC- McClanahan, is somebody saying that? Rue McClanahan? Yeah. yeah. She effectively takes everybody hostage. As, through through like, Billy, yeah. Through Billy. Yeah, she's and, like, you have a gun because you're taking everyone hostage. She's like, yeah, that sounds about right. It's like, okay, is this how any human would act? I know what you need it as the, for the plot mechanics, but like, guys, you do anything other than this. Well, and this is the part where it feels like this is an entirely different kind of show where I can see now how the Zucker brothers, you know, the people who made Airplane and right, and, right, yeah, where their comedy came from, because I couldn't tell if, if this was supposed to be an earnest plot line or if it was supposed to be kind of farcical 
family guy-esque type of plot. It just, it, it kind of went in and out. Yeah, it's impossible to nail down what the tone is because it is just like, is this comedy? Is this drama? It's like a little bit of both, but, you, but you're supposed to take it seriously, I guess. Because like that's it. Uh, uh, Rue McClanahan's just like, he's waving the gun around. The conductor, Harry's just like, are you taking hostages? And she's like, oh, yes, he is. And he's like, and Billy's like, yeah, am I? Why? And he's, she explains to him, he's like, Billy, you should just ransom all these people for your freedom. And I was just like, sure, that will work just out fine, but okay. And of course, like, Harry calls down to the doctor to come up to come take care of the uh, unconscious cop because Billy's like, can we get a doctor up here to help this guy? Am I right, you guys? We need a doctor. Because he's a good man, this Billy. Uh, and like, it's this whole thing where the doctor comes up and as the doctor's coming up, he says like, Boone, call the FBI and tell them the, there's a hostage taking. And like, it's just so it's just so weird. Like the doctor comes up. He's like, I need to take this man down to the, I need to take the cop down to the infirmary. Harry's a real jerk. The conductor's a real jerk. So Billy's just like, hey, you jerk, handcuff yourself to the cops and then leave. I don't need you as a hostage. You're very annoying to me. Like it's just like How did really they get wonky the sequence of events. How did they get the cop from being unconscious on the ground who probably weighed a solid 220, right? Maybe 230, 240. And I don't, I don't, I, we never saw them pick him up or anything like that, right? How did they get him down there? I honestly have no idea because Harry's handcuffed him too, to him too. So he's not going to be very, very effective in like, <laughs> like carrying him. It makes no sense. Right. And what even makes less sense is they get the cop out of the base of this thing. And they're like, he wants Harry gone because Harry's too annoying to Billy. He doesn't want, he doesn't want him there. And Boone just walks in. He's just like, well, if you're letting Harry go, I volunteer to be a hostage in his stead. And I'm just like. Nobody asked for a volunteer. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like there was a quota they had to fill. Exactly. Well, there is, I mean, there is in the handbook, they do say you should have at least five hostages right. if you're going to do this. At all training, times. But, right. Um, and of course, you know, as we've said, Billy has no plan. Like this is all happening like apropos to nothing and at the behest of Mrs. Rigg who's kind of like telling him what to do. And he basically, he's like, I don't know what to do with you guys as hostages. So not, does, not only does Mrs. Rigg now help him plan his hostage taking, but literally all of the other hostages start helping him come up with a list of demands. They're like, <laughs> oh, we'll help you, Billy. We'll all help you figure out your hostage taking. Well, you're so nice. And they decide on that Billy should ask for a bus to Mexico so he can escape to Mexico. And it's so funny because all of the hostages are like, this is a great idea. I can't wait to go to Mexico with you, Billy. We're going to have such a good time. Like, they're all excited now to go to Mexico. Here's, he has five demands. Here's what they all are. Demand one, the train won't stop in Manderville, which I assume are the city he's going to to be tr yeah. tried, I assume. Demand two is a big bus for everyone, as you mentioned. Demand three, no cops. Demand four, which is my favorite, a $1,000 loan. <laughs> it's just not a thousand dollars. It's a loan. Hundred dollar. Hundred dollar. Oh, it's a hundred dollar. You're right. Sorry, a hundred dollar loan. And demand five, box lunch for everyone. It's a box lunch, everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does that come in a lunch box? Like the kind you send your It's your just like a little a little little cardboard box that folds over at the top so it keeps it nice and warm, you know? Got it. Okay. Well that was nice of him. Yeah. It was. was nice Billy's a nice well, guy. The hostages really love nice. it. They think he's great. They can't they can't wait to go to Mexico with him. <laughs> Yeah. I, again, I know they're not trying to be like dog day afternoon here of having, you know, uh, the people who are hostage start being on the side of the kidnapper. But even what they're going for, it just it doesn't work. Nothing in this episode works. The comedy doesn't work. The plot mechanics don't work. Anyone's intentions don't work. The realities in this world don't work. It's just like this is such a mess of an episode. Well, they almost had me or they almost had me many times. 
because I actually was getting kind of getting sucked into the drama of did was Billy who he says he was or is he sort of this mastermind who's playing a part? And the music was it was scored legitimately, kind of like they would score airplane. Like if you listen to the score of airplane, it sounds like a legit action drama score. It's not funny, but. The second the laugh track hits, when on stuff that isn't really even like that funny, it almost feels like this episode, they couldn't quite find the tone. And so there was just somebody saying, well, that's a joke. The audience isn't going to know they're supposed to laugh. Let's throw in a laugh track. Yeah. Well, I think it's even more than that. I think the laugh track was decided quite a bit later. And I don't think it was, I think it was like, this is the episode. We know it's funny, but the laugh track has to be added in just randomly so that we could keep reiterating to people this is funny because you're yeah, right they're my, not after act- actually after jokes they're just like moments you're like ha 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 like yeah, what yeah and my understanding yeah. is like in episode six that we didn't watch that's when they started adding laugh tracks so laugh tracks are brand new like this is the first time we've seen a laugh track on super train but i guess this is something they just had only instituted like three episodes ago it doesn't work at all it doesn't work but it, it almost works as a drama it's weird that because there are some things that they're saying that are just completely ridiculous. Like, oh, we're going to be kidnapped into Mexico. Oh, I love Mexico. I can't wait to go. Like, no, nobody would say that. And so yeah. it, at what point? Because the, the, it's almost weird, as though they, they wrote the first half of this episode thinking it was going to be a regular drama episode. And then they fired that guy and <laughs> hired somebody else who happened to be a comedy writer. And he's like, well, this is all we got to, you know, you don't have time to rewrite it. So just, you know, lop on to the end what, you know, what you what you would normally do. And that's what it feels like. It feels like it's a t- entirely like the the show that's happening in the dining cart feels like an entirely different show from the sheriff's office hmm. where you have the sheriff saying stuff. And even the doctor's office, even though it's a little bit of kind of hijinks. Uh, going on in there it does not feel as just strange and weird as what's happening in the dining car well and i think to your point what kind of happens is they send those demands to the fbi the fbi immediately agrees to them They're, the fbi doesn't even debate they're like yes 100 percent, yes we need to save these lives i was like wow unusual for the fbi to like sign off but that's interesting and the fbi tries a, a gambit to like stop the hostage taking in which they basically send a closed circuit broadcast of uh, Billy's mother to the super train. Basically to ha- they, he gets on the phone, he can see his mother on the, on camera and he ha- is supposed to have a conversation with his mom where his mom's supposed to, the FBI is hoping to t- have him talk him down. The mother, they're hoping the mother will talk down Billy. But what happens in the scene is actually a very dramatic, like disturbing look at Billy's past where the mother just starts berating him for being a strange little child who like never, never amounted to anything who she accuses him of killing his father who was a real man. And he was such a little weenie. And like the mother just like lays into Billy in like a disturbing monologue that like showcases like what kind of awful childhood he must've had. And really goes against what the FBI was hoping to happen. Basically, all it does is radicalize Billy to be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not listening to anything the FBI has to say due to like them putting my insane mother on the phone with me. But isn't it so tonally off to have a scene like this amongst these like No, this is a hijinks? straight drama scene. It's so bizarre. This, it's, this episode is such an odd duck. And it's funny because he, Billy, becomes very agitated before the scene. He is kind of inept and mm-hmm. ineffect- ineffectual and just kind of whines the whole time. And then his mother, and it's the only time we see him yell. It's the only time we see him get violent, kind of, because he's kind of like waving the gun around and he becomes agitated and belligerent almost. And this is the point where I was saying that I was getting sucked in. I was thinking, oh, this is where 
this is where it is going to, going to turn real. It, mm-hmm. Before it was kind of uh, inept as a situation. And now, oh, this is where he's actually going to do it. Like his mother has pushed him this far and he's not yeah. going to take it anymore. He's going to go off the edge finally. Right. That's not what happened. Yeah, it seems like it's going that way. And he hangs up the phone. And then I'm thinking, like, these hostages must be terrified now. The FBI has totally botched this. The ter- all the hostages start applauding and congratulating him on his moxie for standing up to his mother. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, I guess no, nobody's afraid of Billy. Yeah. yeah. Drama totally diluted. Yeah. Just Any kind of, yeah. Release it all right now. It's insane. <laughs> anyway, uh, as the train pulls up to a crossroads in New Mexico, the place where they're basically going to like stop the train and like get everybody off and transfer to that bus to take them to Mexico. As this is happening, of course, that pregnant hostage I mentioned earlier, she suddenly goes into labor and uh, they disabled the one of the doors to the dining car. So apparently the doctor can't get in there to help with the labor. So they're like, how are we going to deliver this baby? We need somebody to help deliver this baby. And you'll never guess who's available. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, f- I know it's first. It's the Rue McClanahan's character. She's like, I can do it, and then she goes to look. And I think she faints, right? So she's yeah, yeah, because she's a real feminist until she has to do something. <laughs> well, she says <laughs> I guess that's, that's true. the joke. She's... That's the joke about. Her. Well, she, she says she sets it up as I've had three children. <laughs> I can do this, and she's never been on the business end of a vagina, apparently. So that's the problem. And yeah. So as you said, she faints, and and guess who takes over. Well, it's Billy, because he, he was a medic in the Vietnam War, but then he mentioned stateside. I was like, okay, so thank you. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's not helpful. <laughs> well, that's what's so weird is like they announced that he was in the Vietnam War as a medic to imply that he is maybe more than meets the eye. But they've spent so long this episode because all the jokes coming up to now is how he's afraid and claustrophobic and how he can never take a plane. That's why they had to put him on a train. So that they realized as they wrote this joke, they're like, oh, we better explain how he could be in the Vietnam War when he wouldn't get on a plane. And they're like, uh, he was stateside. I'm like. Okay. <laughs> he, what they should have had is him said, I was in the Vietnam War, and then all the characters start booing him and spitting on him. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Billy himself delivers the pregnant woman's baby, and like all the hostages, they could not be more impressed. They're like, look at this guy. He's got it all, this Billy. How can we hate him? And he's not holding the gun, I think, at this point. So, yeah. I, they, no, so nobody cares. Are, are we supposed to believe then if, if something horrible had happened, the baby didn't make it out of the, uh, in the birth, they would all have been against Billy? They're like, he is a murderer. Look, he just killed a baby. Boone <laughs> literally says, because Boone's the one who doesn't trust him. And Boone's just like, you messed this up. That's you're right. a dead man. And then when it happens, Boone's just like, great job. You're a, you're a great person. <laughs> That's not the pressure you need, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, as this train has come to a stop, we, uh, Paul, you've mentioned it a couple times, you've implied it, but we haven't talked about it much. Is there's been this thread running throughout the episode. They keep cutting back to this sheriff of this New Mexican town who it's his job, I guess, to receive Billy when he arrives. And he basically is just like this cop killer when he gets here. Oh, we're going to treat him so bad. We're going to make sure he gets a real kangaroo court trial and we're going to execute him as fast as possible. So he's found out that Billy's taken hostages and this sheriff's now just like, oh man, when he pulls in here, me and my boys, we're getting that train and we're going to shoot him right in the head, that little cop killer. <laughs> like that's his character is just like, he's just this rogue cop who's going to like blow Billy's brains out the second he gets the chance. So is this, is this a new sheriff because the old sheriff was, was murdered or is this a different? I, I think it's unrelated, how... a different township apparently, but they all, okay. but it's, it's, it's the, it's that blue code. You can't let a cop killer get away. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. He really has it out for Billy. And I, I was trying yeah. to figure out, oh, well maybe he could, maybe he thought Billy killed his friend or his old boss. 
that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, they never clarify it, right? <laughs> right, it's very unclear. It's just, it's just that you can't kill a cop without getting killed, I guess, is the whole thing. Right, right. Anyway, because the train has stopped, this sheriff has been, like, waiting for this to happen since he's heard about this hostage taking. Him and his boys basically sneak onto the train with a rifle, and they, like, they, like, they, like climb on through the, like, uh, to the pool entrance. They somehow climb the side of the, the train through the pool side and then get to, apparently, there's a door that's been working to the dining car this whole time that no one's bothered to use. It's funny, if they really wanted to make this a comedy, and I'm not sure if they did or didn't at this point, they really could have gone for like uh, um, an airplane or uh, uh, naked gun-esque sort of thing to mock how ridiculous this train is, you know? You have a scene of them trying to get to Billy, and they have to go through the the marble room and the pool and the all these sorts of silly things. They could have done that. You know, they come in the end, they're full of goo and stuff. You're like, wow, that super train is crazy, all the things they had to go through. But I know that's not this show, but it would have been funnier. But you can see where that came from. I mean, I would yeah. have, it would have been perfect if they, to get from one car to the other, they walked through an airport. You're totally right. If they had just, when they retooled it, just brought the Zucker brothers on and said, here, this is your show now, it would be a different show entirely. Like, they would know exactly what to do with it. Yeah. They walk through a circus, whatever happened. It's just anything that would make it funnier, right? <laughs> yeah. But instead, these, the, these, this rogue sheriff shows up. He has a rifle. He aims it right at Billy's head to blow his brains out as as he's holding a baby. Like, they, they don't care. They're just going to blow <laughs> Billy's brains out. And uh, the other sort of B-plot that's been happening is that that cop who they brought down to the infirmary has finally woken up. And he's found out about a hostage taking. And he's just like, I need to go stop Billy from doing this hostage taking. Except he's still handcuffed to Harry the conductor. So him and Harry go on a little adventure where they climb through the train in an attempt to get to the dining car. And they both just happen to arrive at the same time as the sheriff is about to blow Billy's brains out with his, like, rifle. And the cop and Harry beat up the sheriff and his deputies. And they're like, you're under arrest. And I'm like, what? Wait, is that what happened? I thought what happened was the conductor. Is that that who Harry is? Yes, yes, the conductor. Okay, so the cop basically knocks over the sheriff. And says, hold it right there. Don't touch your gun. But Harry's also has picked up a gun. And I thought that Harry was now in cahoots with the sheriff because they both had like goals. (laughs) Was that not what happened? No, because what happens is there's when they get there, there's the sheriff's there. But the sheriff has one of his deputies with him. So Harry is actually knocking out the deputy, taking the deputy's gun and holding the deputy at gunpoint. So now for some reason, Harry, the conductor and the cop are now on the same side, even though they haven't been this whole time. And they both are like. Well, there's some, if there's one thing worse than hostage-taking cop killers, it's rogue cops, and that's what we won't stand for. Well, yeah, they, so, so they're they're interfering with the extradition. That's that's why they're stopping the cops. So Harry and the cop went on a Willow-esque adventure that we didn't see, <laughs> where they started off as adversaries, and mm. at the end came to terms and and were friends, and that's why that's what we see what we see yeah yeah there's there's a whole other adventure like the newlyweds that we did not get to see yeah there's actually several <laughs> there's that one there's the newlyweds there's the cops going through the obstacles to get to billy there's a lot of other more interesting episodes other than billy holding these people hostage yeah they they cut it all out for billy because he was the star <laughs> uh at any rate the whole episode now ends because like they've basically stopped the cops from killing the sher- rogue sheriff they've stopped at this place and it's so weird. Like, I was like, okay. And then Billy gets off the train and the FBI is waiting there. And Billy just gives himself up to the FBI as opposed to following through with his plans to go to Mexico. He just gives himself up to the FBI. And the FBI then explains, oh, FYI, 
Turns out somebody else admitted to killing that sheriff in that riot. So you're off the hook for that murder. Good news. Um, but bad news, you took a whole bunch of hostages. So you're now we have to take you to jail for all that hostage taking. And I was just like, what? But they were like, don't worry. We'll probably just, uh, it won't be much. It'll be a slap on the right. wrist. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a happy ending. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of a happy ending. And like... All of the all the hostages get like a one on one with Billy to tell them how great he is. Like the newlyweds are like, "You made our newlywed trip amazing. This honeymoon's awesome." Like Rue McClanahan gives him a big smooch. The old right. man who is like barely had a character comes up. He's like, "If you were my son, I'd be so proud of you, boy." And like I'm like, "Okay, what?" Who also kisses Billy on the yeah, lips? Yeah, they also he does also give Billy a kiss. Right, but it, it is sort of the Wizard of Oz ending to to the to the show i guess because everybody gets their moment with with billy is like oh thank you billy and that kind of thing and then my favorite part is they always get back on the train and the train leaves and billy's just standing on the side of the road with the fbi being like bye well i actually thought i felt uh <laughs> intentional or not it was like the show waving to its audience goodbye because you get all of them waving and then you get him freeze frame so on him waving you know it's just like see you later guys that was super train didn't you enjoy the journey and the answer is no no we didn't yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to think that perhaps episodes 10, 11, and 12 uh, through in, ad infinitum or maybe about this particular episode of all the different adventures that we missed. <laughs> it was sort of like one of those movies where you see the different vantage points and it, how it all came, it all culminated with this particular episode. I like that idea. It's just that they've really retooled it now. It's not just like the same episode from a million perspectives. I would hope that episode 10 is just the train and it starts driving and then just immediately explodes and they go, that's it. That's it, everybody. They're all dead. So a black screen for 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I will say, so there wasn't much of it in this episode. I think a little bit in the credits, but in the pilot, I was actually kind of impressed and I, I rather liked it when the exterior shots of the train, they seemed, they must've been models. Yeah, I don't they think were. there's a train. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was cool. I was kind of disappointed that they had they didn't have the money for that. Well, that's that's the worst part. It's like the train sets and everything they've built is the best part of it. Like it looks amazing. They spent so much money. It looks so cool. And when you get to episode nine, not only have they like abandoned everything previously, they have also mostly abandoned the model work too. And it's just like oh, yeah. the only thing you guys were doing a good job at is now also absent in episode nine. Yeah. Exactly. It just it felt like it it gave it such it, such credibility. It's, and I, they even reused most. Actually, I think all of the credits, in, even in episode nine, are pulled, are scenes pulled or clips pulled from the pilot. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Um, but it was too bad that they did not continue. But just think episode. about it. It's a show called Super Train. If you are tuning in in 1978 or whenever it was, you, you're thinking, I want to see a train do super things. I want to see it do otherworldly you know have some sort of adventures that i can't even believe and uh, it's gonna blow my mind every week and what they were like is like yeah by the way it's a train forget that anyways they're <laughs> yeah. all having dinner and it's like yeah. okay guys come on well in the same way they they cranked up the farce of it you know how kind of ridiculous these antics were and hijinks why not crank up how ridiculous and how futuristic to a jetsons level exactly like you know, that kind of thing for the train. Re, re, when you retool the show, have uh, Winfield or whatever his name is who owns the train. He fired all the staff and now it's just run by robots. Like, oh, that would be amazing. And it's like a spinoff of Westworld. Yeah, exactly. 
all of the bad robots from Westworld run the train. And, and the, the the train finds it can go so fast, it, it goes through time. Why not? You can do anything. It's science fiction. It's like you can do anything you want with the super train. You guys have set it up, and they're just like, you know, it would be funny. What if two people are trying to eat corn on the cob with one hand? It's like, guys, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when you get your Christopher Lloyd uh, guest star. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He does a he does a pre cameo for Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking that this that Super Train runs for 15 years minimum. Oh yes, right, I at see. this point. So by this point, he he will be the he will actually be playing uh, Doc Brown right. in the last episode of Super Train. Super Train runs for so long, it's just like it just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, America's exactly. number one show. <laughs> well. I don't know. Do you, do you have any final thoughts before we get to ratings, you guys? I think we've covered a lot of uh, Super Train stuff, but is there anything we didn't? Other than a negative attitude towards psychotherapy? Uh, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I can't think of anything else. Well, then, why don't you start us off, Paul? I, out of out of 10 stars, what did you think of the episode, Where Have You Been, Billy Boy? I have to say that if I have to to judge it based on what's being presented to me, I think it's going to get a 2 Maybe it, well, can we do half? We'll do two and a half. Two of course, half. you can do whatever you want. But I will say that because there is so much going on behind the scenes, for example, the, the adventure that Harry and the cop have. <laughs> we don't know and if there was an adventure happening off scene. Just I, I want, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I want to hear Paul rate his headcanon for this episode. <laughs> I mean, I want to see that. I'm guessing it was two, two or three weeks of them having to fight their way from one end of the train to the next. So, you know, that probably was a lot of fun, a lot of magic happening (laughs) and i think that the obvious plot line between the newlyweds kind of a la the americans was definitely happening they were canadian spies not Mm -hmm. russian spies but yeah their episode's uh, called the canadians (laughs) and i think there was so much there that i can only uh because of those two things give it a nine out of ten nine yeah i i agree this is a nine out of ten for sure (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't see how you could not give it a 9 out of 10. I'll go next then. So uh, for Paul's headcanon episode, 9.5. <laughs> it's a okay. near-perfect episode. I've never seen anything better myself. Right. Um, for the episode I actually watched, it's it's going to get a 1. <laughs> I'm actually going to go lower than yours and give it a 0.5. And the wow. reason I'm going to go so low is I actually think it probably is closer to what, what Paul has. I think this is about it. If you just were randomly watching, this is probably about a 2 to 10, which is obviously not a good score. But after watching so many of these episodes and seeing a pretty decent concept be reduced to a not very good show and then reduced further to a worse retooled show, it's painful to watch. Mm. And it's also, it's a drag. And it's like the worst thing TV can be is it's just like a boring drag waste of time. And it's not, nothing, the humor doesn't work. The drama doesn't work. The tension doesn't work. The scenario doesn't really make much sense. And it's just kind of, boring and predictable and it's just like at this point guys nine episodes in you haven't figured out how to make a tv show but a super train you're not getting even getting a one 0. 0.5 <laughs> oh my god wow i hated it, it it's wow. true <laughs> this has been one of the toughest things i think we've had to watch like there was so little redeeming qualities about it um it, it's been a tough one and it shouldn't have been it should have been like anytime we talk to someone like hey super train it's about a train that's super it's like yeah that does sound awesome like is it awesome no no, it's no, not. I will say, yeah. I think some of the people who really liked Super Train, the thing they liked about Super Train was the idea that, like, there was, like, uh, a, a big high-speed train. Like, they liked the idea of a high-speed train more than they like anything else. Yeah. 
Okay, let me t- let me ask you. If this episode, if the final shot of this episode was <laughs> Super Train speeding off into the distance, into the night, and we see it pulls, the camera pulls back, and we think that it's going to be this magnificent aerial going off into the sunset, but in fact, we see a small child's hand come across the train, <laughs> moving it across his toy, his toy train set. And we, we realize that all this is happening in the mind of, of little Billy, who is eight years old, enjoying his train. And this, these are the, the stories that he concocts as he's playing with his trains. How many more points or fewer points would you give it? So you're looking for like a Star Trek Enterprise type ending sort of thing? Men in Black ending, type of it. Isn't this the ending to uh, St. Elmo's Fire, the show about the uh, hospital? <laughs> oh, that's right. It ends up being in someone's brain. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I would have said it would... I don't love that ending, but it's better than a freeze frame on Billy. So, <laughs> All right. Let me pitch my ending then. Okay. So it's this same episode. We've just seen everything that's happened. And the final, uh, what happens as, as it comes to a close is we see, finally see the newlyweds go into their compartment. And then we just get a montage of trains going into tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> no, I now, think. That would have been, been okay. The, okay. the high point for the show, at least for me, and Paul, unfortunately, you didn't watch it. It was the second episode, and it's a Dick Van mm-hmm. Dyke episode. Um, and he's sort of oh. playing. He's sort of playing against type as a possible uh, murderer, hitman kind of person, and he's very uh, evil and nefarious in his portrayal. I think the episode should just end for some reason. Him off in the shadows, and it closes up on him, and he goes all according to my plan. And then he winks to the audience. You're like, what? It was him the whole time. That's what I would like. <laughs> only I would like that only if he's dressed as Bert from Mary Poppins. No, unfortunately, he's dressed in my favorite outfit for the show, and he's wearing a, a tight red bathing suit. <laughs> that is better you're right that's better okay it's very it's like very uh you get a yeah. lot you get a lot of skin on dick van dyke in this episode, in that episode. <laughs> yeah. well that's dick van dyke in his prime i guess yeah. his prime and no he's uh, he's in yeah, good shape that... he's he's probably in his 40s 50s and he's in, he looking pretty good looks yeah. better than yeah. me <laughs> i like how many times we've mentioned dick van dyke in his bathing suit in this show more no, than you would think part it was the best that episode was the best go yeah. back and watch it paul you'll have the I only time you'll have, have a good time okay okay all right i'll do it all right. Well, that brings us pretty much to the end of the episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Paul. And um, listener, Paul has his own podcast, The Measure of an Episode. It's uh, I think if you like this, you will very much like uh, his show. So, Paul, you want you want to pitch your show to the listeners? Yes, I have my own episode that I do with my my buddy Jonathan. We uh, we have a Star Trek podcast, uh, the only Star Trek podcast that I know of in existence. <laughs> uh, and. And basically what we do is we don't we we take episodes. We we don't think we're not among these these people who think that Star Trek is Star Trek just because it has the logo in front of in front of the episode. Absolutely not. There are are many criteria that we judge each and every episode by to determine whether or not it actually is Star Trek and not just a fraud. Star Trek light. Star Trek light, exactly. Trying to be something that they're actually not. And so we go, we've go. we been going through each and every episode of all of the prime, sort of the first, uh, you know, uh, Kirk through Scott Bakula. That, that's sort of the timeline so far. And so, you know, we have a gas watching every episode, randomly generated. So we're not watching them in order. We randomly generate it from 300 episodes. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, okay, Super so- Train has not come up, but uh, <laughs> we'll probably get there. Okay, just just real quick for my notification. So you've watched a bunch of episodes now, for sure. You've, I know you've done a ton of them already. Yes. Uh, how many are actual episodes of Star Trek? Uh, and how like how many actual episodes of Star Trek exist there? Probably about twenty five percent at this point. Wow, that it's, low, yeah. huh? 
Yeah, it's pretty low. Maybe yeah, maybe like between twenty five and forty. We haven't run the the numbers. And you haven't lately. even got into the travesty that is the uh, what? Are, what's the new uh, ones called? What's the 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 Kelvin ones? Is that what they call the it? Kelvin timeline. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we haven't dived into that. We want to. We're going to start watching Discovery. And we're going to start watching Picard. Mm. And there's a couple of animations. Have you, have you watched there. any of the movies? Like, have any of the movies made the cut? Is the whale movie a Star Trek? <laughs> It is on the list. So what we're doing is for our Patreon members, we're going to start doing uh, commentaries. And so if you if you so do like the show and you want to hear more of us, uh, for on our one of our Patreon perks is that we will be doing some commentaries for all of the different uh, Kirk, uh, all those show movies, and also all of the Picard movies, etc. So yes, oh. we, we will be getting we will be getting there. Absolutely. A little tease, everybody listening at home. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thanks again, Paul. I really appreciate you coming on the show with us this weekend. It was uh, behind the scenes. There's a lot of juggling uh, uh, to get you here. So I appreciate you sticking it out. It was uh, it was great to have you. It was fun to talk about Super Train with you. No, thank you for having me. It's always a blast. We really always enjoy seeing you guys and, and being on the show. It's a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Oh, that's right. If, if the listener wants, you can go back. We did a we did a crazy crossover episode where we talked about time travel. That's back in our feed somewhere. You can find it. Yeah. Yeah, you're 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 it's capable fine. people. There were time stairs. And uh what's that? There were time stairs. Oh yeah, the time stairs. <laughs> I forgot about the time stairs. Um <sighs> that that wraps it up for this episode anyway. So uh, if you have anything you want to email us about, you can get us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And of course on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some final little clips from Super Train. So be sure to check those out. Take that last taste of Super Train. <laughs> Try not to choke on it. Yeah, don't <laughs> um, but that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.